Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com It was great. I was wait, Dumbass. What's the deal with Dama? I think he's kind of hilarious. <laughs> Who keeps making that sound? I think we should form a Dama fan club. What? Yeah, like Dama can really go out in style and infamy. I just wanted to see what its insides looked like. Jeff's a little off, you know? Why are you doing this? It interests me. You need to talk. You need to get out of your shell. Jeff, enough. Are you sexually active? Sort of. Do you want to go to the prom? You want to seem normal, right? You seem healthy to me. What about what's on a patient's mind? Are you okay? Why don't you just leave him alone? It's not a sideshow attraction. I'm just like anybody else. Versus reality. I'm Anastasia. Miss Anna, if you're nasty, that's not <laughs> fine. 
I've made that Janet Jackson joke, nor will it be the last. Morgan <laughs> uh, is back with us. Hey, Mo. Hey, it's me, Mo Morgan. Not hey. Nasty Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> we. <laughs> well, we missed you, Mo. Yeah, I liked that that little switch up you did. I I enjoyed it. Uh, in some ways, Dahmer has something in common with Lola. Do you know Uh, what that is? (laughs) Uh, no. They both think so. They both tried to lobotomize people so that those people would never leave them. Oh, oh yeah, that part. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about baby Dahmer. No, Baby Dumber doesn't have a lot in common with Lola. His family is not perfect, but it's normal compared to Lola's home life. Yeah. Like, super normal. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, today's episode, since I haven't said it yet, but I'm sure you did read what the title was, <laughs> is My Friend Dahmer from 2017 versus Dahmer's Early Years. This is part one of our two-part Dahmer series. Because May is Dahmer month. Yes. His birthday is the day before mine. I thought you said it was the 21st. Oh, is his the 21st? Mine's the 23rd. Yeah, I think it's two days before yours. Oh, my B. (laughs) (laughs) Had my facts wrong. Because remember, we're going to record on his birthday. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it is May 21st. Yeah. Um, it's not really in honor of him. It's honestly coincidental, but we're rolling with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely doesn't honor Dahmer. Yeah. I think it's funny because I think this is the second one that we've done on like someone's birthday. That was just sheer coincidence. I don't know if it was a birthday, but it was maybe the day they died or something. We definitely did something like this. You're right. Yeah. I don't remember (laughs) who it was, though. You know, when you record a lot of these, sometimes stuff just kind of runs together. You don't remember what all you've said. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, it's fine. All right, so I'm going to grab you guys a rundown of this movie and then tell you some fun behind the scenes facts as always or at least the better half of this podcast's journey so far (laughs) all right so as i said it's a 2017 film it was directed by mark myers uh the screenplay was by mark myers and that's based on the graphic novel of the same title of the film, My Friend Dahmer, by Derf Bacter. So I've actually read this uh, graphic novel. Oh, that's awesome. I was was wanting to get a copy before we recorded, but I did not. Yeah, I don't own a copy of it. Um, I should, but I don't. Um, But I rented it from the library during that one summer when I didn't have internet or cable. (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah so i I rented that from the library and i read it i want to say the summer of 2015 and uh it's really well done 
it much like the film, it does humanize uh, Dahmer because he wasn't a monster yet, you know. He yeah. was just he was just a troubled kid who uh, only becomes more troubled as time goes on. But uh, he hadn't murdered anyone yet, so you know. Which uh, the star of this movie who plays Dahmer, Ross Lynch, that's what he actually said himself. You know, it was much easier to play him and find real human emotion in him because this is him pre killing 17 guys yeah he was just killing dogs and animals well yeah that does start to happen yeah (laughs) um so it's like i okay so it stars ross lunch uh as Dahmer and hesh as his mom uh alex wolf as one of his newfound friends at high school dallas roberts as his father and uh, Vincent Carthizer as the jogger slash doctor. Um, so you might recognize Vincent Carthizer because he played Angel's son on the uh, WB show Angel, uh, which <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, you know like a Buffy spinoff. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, he also was on Mad Men, if you watched that. I don't know what his character is, because I've never really watched that show much. Yeah, um, I just know it was a lot of, like, um, drinking and um, business. <laughs> <laughs> I know and, they drink and smoke, and it's and, about advertising. Yeah, beautiful women that are secretaries that are trying to make it in the business world, but they're women, and the glass ceiling is too too high yeah that type stuff and, <laughs> and John Hamm's like the star <laughs> and also that chick from uh, Handmaid's Tale oh, what is her name she's a I, really great actress and I never know her name she is but she's also a loony Scientologist oh how unfortunate I know right oh Okay, so uh, v- other fun fact: Vincent Carthizer is married to Alexis Bledel, aka Rory Gilmore. From the oh my goodness! Uh-huh. I never watched that show either. Really? Yeah, you never no. Got sucked into the the nineties, mid two thousands phenomena that was the Gilmore Girls. No, I was working hard, child labor. <laughs> Um, I liked the show up until I had to work. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what Gilmore Girls is about. It's about a woman from an upper crust Connecticut background who gets pregnant as a teenager when she's like 15 or 16. And, um, it doesn't want her parents help kind of because she really resents her parents and is rebelling so she kind of uh, makes her own way and around the time that her daughter is 16 she gets help to send her to the same like hoity-toity private school that she went to called Chilton because her daughter's like super smart and wants to go to Yale 
And uh, it's basically about their friendship and her coming of age. Yeah, I wouldn't have liked that. It's really funny, actually, um, despite some soap opera aspects uh, later on. Uh, it was well written. That was the best part of the show, was the banter between the mother and the uh, daughter. Oh. Well, I guess I had to have been there back in the 90s. I'm sure people, I'm sure some of our fans will back me up on that, I think. <laughs> Don't think less of me, because I watched the Gilmore Girls, okay? <laughs> I'm human. <laughs> Alright, so, the movie starts, it's 1974, and Jeff Dahmer is a high school freshman living in Bath, Ohio, with his parents, Lionel and Joyce. And his brother, Dave. Now, Jeffrey develops an obsession from the very beginning of the film with the male jogger, Vincent Carthizer. Um, and he basically watches him from the bus every day. Watches the jogger, like, obsessively. Uh, like you were saying earlier, for a hobby, he collects roadkill, essentially. Um, and his father, who's a chemist, has provided chemicals for him. I guess the dad... It, it seems like the dad knows that there's something up, and I mean, that's way more clear later on. But the dad's just kind of like, at least this is keeping him busy, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, like everybody ignores what's going on. Yeah. Well, I mean, his parents are constantly in turmoil. His mom has mental illness. His dad is a workaholic. Uh, the marriage is holding together by a thin thread. And, uh, you know... She's obsessed with her youngest child and not Jeffrey. So he's just completely ignored pretty much. Which sucks. But that is the reality of his childhood. So, um, yeah. His initial interest in all of this is he wanted to see how animals were put together. Like their basic whatever. And I mean, that would be fine if he had developed it into being like a biologist or a taxidermist which is something that he later said that maybe he would have done had things gone differently. So Yeah, I feel like he could have been a chemist if he wasn't just a alcoholic <laughs> psychopath. Yeah. Uh, raging alcoholic from like the age of 14. Can you imagine? Yeah. At 13. <clears throat> 13, right. Um, so like I was just saying, uh, the dad ends up being like, you have got to get out and fucking make friends. No more of any of this. I'm trash in your lab. No more dissolving animals. We're done. This is over. Do something. He's like, but dad, I'm in the band. <laughs> <laughs> I've done enough. <laughs> um, by the way, can I just say, I love Ross Lynch in this role. I had only heard of him briefly before because my nieces watched the Disney show that he was on, which was called Austin and Allie. It was like a musical. They were songwriters. How cute. Oh. No, it was a ter <laughs> I'm sorry. It was a terrible show because it's a children's show, and the writing for those aren't very good. Um, they just never have been. Sorry, kids. Uh, but anyway, um, I, I just love the new trend of, turning 
your Disney career on its head by being a serial killer. Zac Efron really pioneered it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I love it, though. Um, he does a really, really good job. Yeah, he does. Yeah, like, uh, in fact, the guy who wrote the graphic novel, uh, Derf Bacter, he was on set one day, and he basically said that he so encaptured the spirit of Jeff Dahmer that it creeped him out and he couldn't look him in the eye on set. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, what a compliment, right? Yeah. So I guess he, he nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> so Jeff kind of starts acting out and making fun of his mother's interior decorator uh, who has cerebral palsy um it's really not pc <laughs> for coaches. yeah definitely not but um it was the 70s and that is the time period that they are portraying and that's what um, he did <laughs> yeah um yeah watch the film i'm not gonna reenact it or whatever um no okay so jeff inspires jerf we were just speaking of, to start, like, cartoonizing him, <laughs> drawing him in various situations, and that's later what becomes my friend Dahmer, essentially. Um, so him and his friends make a Dahmer fan club, and basically they just use Jeff to do stupid pranks throughout school. Like, uh, there's a great scene where they're just sneaking him into all the yearbook photos, which that's like a classic uh, cliche, too, honestly. Like, that happens a lot in fiction. Um, so also, they uh, end up going on this trip to Washington, D.C., and they managed with Jeff for some reason, to con themselves into visiting Walter Mondale. Uh, why vice president? I don't know. I feel like there's more interesting people than Walter Mondale, but that's besides <laughs> the point. <laughs> so, meanwhile, while this is happening, Joyce, his mother's mental illness, is off the charts, and it's only making their marriage worse. Um... And Jeffrey has really started heavily drinking at this point, like bringing a flask with him and drinking in the morning. Um, yeah, awful. Uh, and this is where he begins killing animals. Mm. Stray dogs in particular. Yeah, the dog dies, just so everybody knows. Yeah. yeah. So sad. I know. I didn't no. like that. No, me neither, but it's true to life, so... You know. Oh, no. I know. Ugh. I know. Anyway, so... <laughs> Jeffrey, basically, because he one of his friends goes to the doctor that he's been stalking, he cons his way into getting a visit to the doctor's office so he can see Vincent Carthrider's... Blah, blah, Vincent Carthrider's cute-ass in person. <laughs> 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 and uh, he basically uses it as so he gets a full on physical so that the doctor basically has to see him nude and 
it makes the doctor super uncomfortable because he gets a full-on erection. They do not show it, but it is obviously implied that that's what's just happened. And the doctor's basically like, you can get dressed now. Shuffles out because he's super uncomfortable. I mean, honestly, who wouldn't be if you turn around and there's a teenage boy who's at full attention? Yeah. That's, that'd be so disturbing, would it not? I think it happens a lot. I think it does, but I, I still think that in this guy's mindset where hetero, where uh, homophobia ran rampant, like, he probably was disgusted. Yeah, most likely. Most but likely. I mean, some men uh, ejaculate during their prostate exam, so. <laughs> that's true, and that's, that's not your fault. It's not your Natural. fault at all. It just feels really good, apparently. I wouldn't know. I don't have a prostate. Yeah, and I mean, neither one of our significant others are old enough to have that exam yet. Oh, oh they're can't... old enough. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> there are people that listen to this who are going to blush at that. Ah, uh, yes. Blush, blush away. <laughs> um, anyway. So, uh, while on, gone on that DC trip, the uh, father moves out. And his mom basically just leaves with the little brother and leaves Jeff there by himself. So things are only getting worse. By the way, right after that exam... He goes home to furiously masturbate to the incident. Oh, and yeah. And the, the, no, that was that the part where he like dreams of him right next to him? Uh, yeah, he has that. He has the dream of being with the corpse of Dr. Matthews. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, that happens right after the uh, furious masturbation. Yeah, that part's so surreal. It's, yeah. I was like, whoa. <laughs> it's a very surreal scene. Yeah. It keeps bringing you back. Like, you're like, oh, this is just some goofy high school kid with some weird fucking... And then it's like, oh, there's a dead dog. And it's like, shit, this this is real. Because at yeah. some points, you're... I don't know. At some points, it's not like... um, Like you're watching Jeffrey Dahmer, you know? At yeah. some points, you're just watching like a kid, and then you see this—I don't know—this darkness creep out in different scenes. That it's like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. Absolutely, you kind of forget that he's this infamous serial killer because in this moment, this little slice of his life, he's just a troubled kid, and yeah. it, the movie's really good at painting him that way as a human. Yeah. And it forces you to sympathize with him in a lot of ways. Oh, oh, dirty. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good movie. (laughs) It's a great movie. I actually was so excited to see it that, like, the second it it was able, I was able to, uh, like, rent it. I paid the, like, $7 or $8.99 or whatever (laughs) to rent it back in 2017. Because it didn't come to theaters in Podunk, Mississippi. (laughs) Yeah, no. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. <clears throat> so, after Jeff's father moves out, he uh, gives him the family car, which 
creepily enough, is a Volkswagen Beetle. The uh, favorite uh, vehicle of a certain other serial killer that we all know. Ted Bundy. <laughs> he also drove a Volkswagen Beetle. You know who else liked the Volkswagen Beetle? Who else? Hitler. Oh my god. Of course he would. <laughs> uh, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you know what? The point is, I mean, it is, a, it, is a, it is a German car, but the point is that car has a storied history, does it not? That model? Yeah. All right. It even causes you to, like, you know, um, to become violent when you see one. Like, <laughs> like punch buggy, no punch back. <laughs> I had have definitely been punched very hard by a child doing that. <laughs> I was going to say who the child is in relation to me, but that's a really, really long story. Yeah. So I just a child. So huh? I had a lot of bruises. Yeah. Yeah. I was always like hyper alert looking for them so I could punch them first because they hit really freaking hard. So I would be like looking out the window getting car sick constantly trying to find <laughs> Volkswagen oh, Beetle. Oh, no, Morgan, this is terrible. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I, I made it. I'm alive. So around this time, he also started stalking Dr. Matthews, um, but he never really goes through with attacking him. Um. <clears throat> So, uh, like I said, Jeff's completely alone. His mom's left him and his dad's in his apartment and doesn't know, seem to know that Jeff's alone. And because Jeff's already this incredibly sullen, isolated human, he doesn't even bother to be like, hey, dad, mom left me all alone. He just retreats further and further into his weird, creepy inner world for yeah. So, <clears throat> Durf spots uh, that evening. Durf spots Jeffrey walking home alone with blood on his fingernails. Durf offers Jeffrey a ride, finding him living alone with no plans for the future. He tells Durf, uh, Durf tells <laughs> Jeffrey that he's leaving for college the following day and offers to give him all his drawings, but Jeffrey doesn't want them. Um, he kind of menacingly invites Durf in for a beer, but Durf's like, nah. Uh, I'm good, bro. It's like the power's cut off and you have no water. Yeah. You're huh. acting really weird. Yeah, in reality, it was a different member of the, um, the Dahmer fan club that gave Jeff this ride home. But um, the director and writer thought it would be better to have Durf in more scenes. So ah. he was, yeah. So he was inserted in more scenes than there than he was actually at. Like uh, for instance, he wasn't at prom, and he didn't go on that trip to Washington D.C. either. Okay. Yeah. So did the D.C. trip really happen? Where they met the. <laughs> I don't know if they actually met Walter Mondelinov. The DC trip did happen. Yeah, I know the DC trip happened, but I don't know if they met. I can't find anything to support that. Yeah, I can't find. I mean, <laughs> I think I think it's just Durf Bechtard's 
Derp's uh, word against everyone else. So I don't know. Okay. I guess we'll take his word for it. Okay, maybe maybe they did. I don't know. I thought it was just like a like a little thing to throw into the movie. It could have been. I like I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um I feel like it was in the graphic novel too though. Oh, okay. Then so they... I'm not sure I'm not sure if that was hyperbole or not though. I don't know. Um anyway, so basically he leaves and uh actually as he's right as he's pulling out um he notices the bat that jeff has and it freaks him out and he never contacts jeff again never sees him again and uh the next morning jeffrey drives around and picks up hitchhiker stephen hicks from a concert and that's actually who his first victim is um and the closing credits note that he was never seen again, and that John and that Jeffrey admitted to killing seventeen men when he was finally arrested. <sighs> yeah, that's how it uh, fades to black. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I mean, it is a first hyper realistic. Well, yeah, and I mean, it is based off of co- a comic that was a first-hand account of someone's actual time with him, so it's yeah. fairly true to life. Yeah. I was looking at the timeline of uh, the My Friend Dahmer, like the story in the book, and um, the play. There was a play. There was a whole bunch of stuff. Um, like the graphic novel he started writing like a week after that he... He said he watched the news and they were taking out the coolers and stuff and the bags, like the hazmat suits and everything. And yeah. he started writing it like a week after that happened. Because um, that was basically like, oh my God, I have a story to tell, you know? Yeah. And he like would not talk to any reporters or anything. And he said there were several that would like beat on his door every day trying to get something from him because they knew they were friends in high school. But, yeah, I can't blame him for dodging that one. Yeah, he only talked to one news source because his wife worked there and he did um, art on the side for the newspaper. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it. It was some small newspaper. So one of the things that the director did to really encapsulate the like late 70s feel was um, they made sure to get cars that were actually from the time period that actually still worked were still running, you know, not too <laughs> refurbished. Yeah. The sound of those motors to be right. Oh, that's pretty neat. Those uh, were some cool cars. Yeah. Also pretty much every person on who got, you know, worked even like as an extra was told from the second they were hired, don't cut your hair. Yeah. <laughs> Like, do not cut your hair. Let your hair get as shaggy as possible because in the 70s, that's how everybody rolled pretty much. Yeah. I think they should bring it back. Bring back well, the 70s. I mean, you tell me that there wasn't a weird combination, and at least in Mississippi. I don't know if it was like this everywhere else. But where we grew up, you, as a kid, like in the early 2000s, dudes had one of two hairstyles. You either had, like, the spiky bangs 
and <laughs> and maybe like some blonde highlights or you had this like long shaggy hair that swooped to the side and yeah, often the swoosh. covered <laughs> yes, that often covered your eyes and would curl up over the end of your ball cap. Yeah, and you had to swoop your head to the side to get it out of your face so you could talk to people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny the things that were stylish back then. And now kids these and like kids in high school now wish they could have lived when we were when we were in high school. I know they're all wearing the clothes that I used to wear. I'm like, I, I had those shoes. What the fuck? I want yeah. them. Give me my shoes back. <laughs> They also wear some really ugly stuff, though. I've said that before. Like, the the big, ugly, chunky, white, like, case, not case Swiss, but you know what I'm talking about? Those big, all white, ugly, chunky. Oh, the tennis shoes? Tennis shoes, yeah. Yes. They're yeah. hideous. I Children. Like I Children. Like <laughs> You're just wrong. Trust me on this. You look like a New Balance dad. <laughs> it's bad. It's really bad. I don't know why you guys think they look good. Yeah, the new balances are like coming back, like the all white, and I'm like, Ugh. Uh, that's like what my stepdad plays tennis in. <laughs> so Come on, weird. Come on, guys. I just don't wish I could get a pair of those Steve Madden, those black. Do you remember those platform shoes? They're like Steve Madden, and they had the mesh on the top. Of uh, course I know what you're talking about. I had a pair. I saw a girl wearing those, and I was I wanted to ask her where she got them. I was just well, like, did she do that? She started making them again a few years ago. I want them. You could buy them. them. I'm sure I, if you Googled it, you could get a pair. Like, I want them. I'm I sure. remember I was in, like, third grade when I had my first pair because they Me were too. super cool. And I hit my growth spurt in third grade, and I went from a size 4 to a size 9 in, like, two weeks. <laughs> it's probably, like, a month, but it, it really hurt, and I had um, bone spurs. But it was so devastating to me that those shoes did not fit. I went out and bought another pair, of course, but... I was my, my mom was like these are a lot of money <laughs> I think I had the Payless knockoff version I and think I had the Steve Madden kind pretty sure I gotta tell ya those Payless ones lasted forever I still wore them up until like 7th grade yeah yeah me too well I, I'm pretty sure mine were the Steve Madden kind cause I remember the label but uh, yeah, I wore mine up until, like, 7th or 8th grade. Now, 8th grade is when I, st I started wearing what I lovingly called my bowling shoes that were, as it so happens, a Steve Madden pair. <laughs> they, they were red leather, and uh, they kind of bowed out into this weird, like, rectangular, rounded-off shape at the toe. Oh, God. <laughs> and they had white stripes like Adidas on either side, and they were slip-on. What the fuck? <laughs> they were so comfortable. I will see if I have a picture I'm, of I'm it just somewhere. imagining clown shoes. <laughs> They're not that oversized. Like, they fit my feet, obviously. But kind of not. I, 
You'll just have to see them. They look like more if like... someone steps on your foot, it just goes squeaky. <laughs> no, no, no. They look more like bowling shoes than clown shoes, I promise. Okay. But I'll just have to find, see if I can find a picture of them somewhere. I'll have to do mad Googling later. <laughs> mad Googling. If I find them, I'll put them on the Instagram for you guys to all see what the fuck I'm talking about. But yeah. I tell you, I tell you what though, I was a damn trendsetter with those. I got them when like Steve Madden first put them out, and then I started seeing people wearing the knockoffs all over school, and I was like, I did this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was super cool. <laughs> anyway, so uh, this movie has like an eighty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Most people like it. It's a good movie. Um, it costs about a million dollars. Well, about 1.5 mil. Due to trying to get all the 70s themed stuff right. Uh, yeah. So. Good movie. Morgan is going to start on his actual teenage childhood. And tell us, you know, some more scintillating tidbits. That mm. uh, Dirk Factor didn't know, I guess, you know, um, right after our short commercial break. Short. And we're back. So I just wanted to say one more tidbit about the movie. Uh, so Ross Lynch, when he was like um, auditioning for this, he went and got so he's in a boy band, right? <laughs> That's like his brothers and one sister called R5. He got his photographer, like touring photographer from R5 to film his audition. That's how into it he was. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta love it. Anyway. <laughs> so Morgan's gonna tell us about Jeff's actual home life in his um, high school days. Take her away. Yes. So, um, Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer was born May 21st, 1960. Um, he had many nicknames. Uh, the Milwaukee Cannibal, the Milwaukee Monster. Uh... Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Um, Dahmer, you know. Uh, he, um, uh, grew up in the 
really weird household. So like Anna said earlier, mom was mentally ill. Dad was workaholic. Totally true. Um, so he grew up, he was the first son, um, of Joyce and Lionel. Um, he was born in Milwaukee, but around, uh, his young childhood, they moved a lot. Um, there's like some sources that say that Joyce was a, um, a neat freak or germaphobe and wouldn't allow anyone to touch Jeffrey or Dahmer. Um, and, and except for her while she was feeding him or, uh, changing him. And I don't know how true that is. They said, some people say, no, he was raised normally, like as an infant had good loving parents and he was, um, like cared for and hugged and everything. But other people say, no, she was germaphobe. He wouldn't touch her or she wouldn't touch him. Um, so around age four, he had corrective surgery for a double hernia. And some people say that after that, he was definitely changed. He was more quiet, um, and withdrawn around this time. His younger brother was born. Um, and apparently they put more attention on the, the baby more than him. I don't know how true that is either. Um, but when he entered first grade, that's when uh, his dad just was, like, not at home. Um, and that's when his mom attempted suicide. So, also, there's some reports that she was on, like, 27 medications when she was pregnant with him. Don't know how true that is, because some of these sources are a little wonky. Um, so, she was definitely mentally ill. Uh, suffer from depression and probably more personality disorders. It um, does. I'm pretty sure it does mention in um, the book by Jeffrey Dahmer's father that she was on quite a few medications. Yeah. The, yeah. So Jeffrey Dahmer's dad does have a book and his mom has spoken out and said it's all lies. So. Of course she says that. She's, <laughs> she's not past the animosity of their marriage. Yeah. No, definitely not. I mean, she's dead now, but... Well, uh, she wasn't at the time. Yeah, up until the end, she was, like, fighting tooth and nail um, over that book and over how people perceived her. But, I mean, there's documented cases that she was, like, hospitalized and was on a lot of medication. And um, the divorce, a lot of it was, it was, a like, violent divorce between the both of them. So, I don't know. I think I'm going to say I believe the dad more than the mom. I, I, I yeah, I, I don't, I mean, you know, I, it's... it's... Yeah, I, I think so, too. Yeah, just from all the reports of every, like, all the interviews and books written and everything. it From ev 
Yeah, from everything we know, he seems like a far more credible source. Yes, exactly. Um, so she was just not present due to the multitude of mental illness. And then his dad wasn't present either just due to him being, he was in school um, for like chemistry. He was becoming a chemist when he was a kid. And then after that, he continued his studies. So he was like working and going to school a lot. Um, So Jeffrey kind of, just went into his own mind, I guess. Like, they just didn't really um, nurture his youth, I guess. Uh, But one thing his dad did nurture was his interest in dead animals. Um, So, like the movie shows, he did collect roadkill, um, animal carcasses. He even killed a neighborhood dog and put his head on a stake. Um, he would take the animals and bring it into the tool shed. And then he would like take them apart. Um, at first it was like a son and dad thing. Like they would, he brought some chemicals from work and showed him how to bleach bones. And at first it was just him and his dad doing this. And like, it was their, you know, after work, thing together which is weird but whatever um he showed an interest in it his dad was interested in it so they would take the animals and dissolve them in acid and then um it was like insects and stuff at first and then it started turning into animal carcasses and then he started like taking them apart and trying to put them back together um and he also would climb under the house and get dead animals that had died under the house and then take the bones and like save them, put them in jars. Um, and Durf actually wrote about how his tool shed looked, um, saying that he called Jeffrey called it the hut and he would keep all the carcasses stored in pickle jars and he would tell everybody it was acid, but I think it kind of, I think it was because that's what his dad would say. But, um, Durf said that he would like say, yeah, it's acid and think it was really just a household chemical or water. Um, but by the age of 12, uh, Jeff had dozens and dozens of jars arranged on wooden shelves around the hut. And it was just, like, tons of different animals and animal parts. Um, And he'd like to show people this and freak them out. Um, He's a little like Herbert West from um, Reanimator and uh, H.P. Lovecraft stories. (laughs) Except he just wasn't in college and didn't have access to, you know human corpses thankfully and he wasn't into the occult as far as i know right yeah Uh, but you get what i'm saying there's (laughs) he's kind of that type of guy you know yeah the only difference is uh herbert west was not an alcoholic he had to stay sharp yeah and i don't think he like did a did a dommer did he did he act out (laughs) 
I mean, he killed all kinds of people in the name of science. Yeah. <laughs> but did he run down the hall shrieking and holding oh, his arm? No, he did not do a Dahmer. He was all about science. Dahmer was a far more um, emotional being. Yeah. He was like, I want these animal parts. They're going to stay with me forever because everyone always leaves me. Boo hoo. <laughs> Sorry. I yeah, mean, that was that. Yeah, that's accurate. um but yeah there there were like tons of jars in this um hut and like a like people in elementary school knew about it um and then like in junior high or uh middle school um like kids that had known him since he was a little kid all had like stories about how weird he was um and everybody knew about his jars of roadkill. And they just, I mean, that pretty much had him labeled as a freak. So a lot of people ignored him in, like, middle school. It wasn't until high school that he started getting into, like, having friends. Because um, he did Dahmer. He, he did a Dahmer. So that was, like, the only reason why he really had friends. Sad. Yeah, he became kind of a class clown of sorts, the weird class clown. Yeah, so so like by 12 he had amassed like uh, dozens and dozens of bones. Um I don't know what time it was that he killed the dog, but that was one of the uh more sadistic parts of this cuz it was just like an interest in dead animals. But then he actually went out, uh, cut off his neighbor's dog's head, and nailed the body to the tree and impaled the skull with a giant branch and then made a wooden cross around it. So he, like, stabbed it on the stake and then made that stake into a cross. Yeah. Behind his house. Like... What the fuck? Yeah. Um, I think he was like 12 or 13 at this point. Hey, Jeff, that's not normal behavior there, bud. (laughs) Yeah, we wanted a, a, you know, a a nativity scene, but this is, this is just a little bit weird. (laughs) Yeah, that's more like a satanic scene. Yeah. This was before Satanic Panic, so... This true, but I mean... In the South, wasn't there always panic about... <laughs> I realize... everywhere. I realize <laughs> that this was Ohio, but... You know, I have to put that dig in. It's, <laughs> it's, it's our roots, you know? <laughs> um, continue, Mo. Uh, so... In 1968, when he was eight years old, that's when they moved into um, the house that's, like, shown on the movie. Oh, my God. I I can't believe I forgot to say this. They actually filmed in the house he grew up in. That's literally his home. That is his house. I was was wondering if we were going to bring that in. Absolutely. Because I was looking at it. I forgot to mention it. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's wild. Because, like... The um oh my god, Durf. I 
I just yeah. Durf Bechter. Yeah, Durf Bechter. <laughs> well, I mean, the Durf is just derived from his last name, so it's a little redundant, but anyway. Yeah, Durf. Durf, um, he, like, went back in 1992 to his house to explore it. Yeah. He was, like, drawn back to it. Well, um, he was on the set, too, and he said that it, you know, felt, like, not holy, but a place that had to be treated with reverence or something. Yeah. But, yeah, he, like, went back and he, he like, remade the clubhouse because it wasn't in existence. Because um, it was, like, just a pile of wood on the ground. Um, so he recreated it for memory. Oh wow! What I wrote, uh, what I read on his blog. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that house was there. the The dad built it in 1970, so that's around the time when he started like collecting all those bones. So he was like 10 when it started, I guess. Right. Um, so I think he probably was around like 13, 12 or 13 when he killed that dog. Right. He, he couldn't have been like eight, like some sources were saying. I think that's a little too young. Yeah. Um. So around 1968, uh, Jeff was just asked to save the bones from dinner. <laughs> this is fucking weird. So he would. His dad allowed him. And um, that's when he started learning to bleach the bones. Because he was just collecting them. And some people called it his rattle. Which is really weird. That's really weird. You know, I would go on record as saying that most parents, you know, are going to nurture whatever their kid shows interest in. If it seems innocuous at the time, nobody thinks, ah, this one, this one's going to be a famous serial killer, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that would be a weird realization, like looking at your kid and be like, you're going to grow up to be a serial killer, aren't you? I I mean, what like there were like so many signs of him like acting out and like drinking really young but no one ever did anything i feel like a lot of times when you're so close to something like that it's kind of hard to see just how bad it is you know yeah like with the divorce and everything and them like fighting constantly i would feel like now you know like a school counselor would talk with him but there's no record of any like school counselor or like uh him going to psychologist i guess it's the time too that's the late 70s i mean they didn't even seem to realize that he was coming to school fucking loaded every morning either yeah like (laughs) well some um there was i was watching a interview with some people that went to school with him i think it was through oxygen but they said that they think that some of the teachers were aware they just turned their heads to it because he kept a bottle of gin and beer in his locker. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that you He would walk what? around with a styrofoam cup full of booze. Yeah, in the morning, like, walk <laughs> in with that. I feel like, yeah, I feel like they just... Just ignored it. No, not only that, but I mean, back then, they just didn't keep a hyper-focus on kids the way they do now. 
you know, this was super pre-Columbine. Not everyone was a potential hazard around every corner, you know? Yeah. True, true. They're like, oh, he's just doing what kids do. You know, get <laughs> drunk at 14, uh, come in the morning all drunk and hungover for their math exam. Well, you know, his family's weird. <laughs> yeah, his dad's a weirdo. And Got the mom's them... a weird. The mom's a weirdo too. She's not all right. <laughs> She's not all right. She's not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, he started drinking at thirteen, and then by fourteen, he was like a hard alcoholic, like straight up all day, all night. Uh, he would hide liquor bottles in his uh, jacket. He would keep liquor and beer in his car and in his locker. And then he was coming into um, into the uh, school with a cup of scotch. And yeah. um, one of his female friends said, like, why do you why are you drinking? It's so early. Like, why are you why are you do this? And he said, it's my medicine. And he would tell people it was his medicine. I mean, so- that is literally his only coping mechanism at this point is being a raging alcoholic. Yeah, just being a raging alcoholic. Because it it was around this time when he realized he was gay, too. So I think maybe it was, like, him being gay, him being an outcast, and then, like, his parents just fighting, living in this hell house where his brother's, like, put on this pedestal and he's kind of forgotten about. Like, that is such a lonely existence. You're gay in a time when it's literally terrifying to be gay. Yeah, I can't imagine. Your parents completely ignore you. You don't really have friends at school. And the ones that you are friends with only sort of like you. Yeah, they're just keeping you around because you can do funny things sometimes. Yeah, Um, like that would be so fucking lonely. Yeah, and then... You know, like, all of the elementary school kids had known him and knew of his, uh, like, love for dead animals. So nobody really wanted to be around him because he's collecting, he's the kid that collected dead animals. And I mean, I don't blame the children for that, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I used to collect, like, bird's nests and, like, locusts so I could have, like, a locust army. I mean, Morgan, that is (laughs) way way different (laughs) yes way tamer (laughs) (laughs) way tamer yeah i mean shit i caught a uh a minnow once in my parents um ditch and fed it (laughs) and fed it to my betta fish (laughs) well my brothers used to joke that i was gonna grow up to be a serial killer because i used to dissect frogs a lot like a lot of frogs but I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to know how the body worked. Not not how to put them back together. <laughs> and turn them into your zombie sex slave. Yeah, zombie sex frog. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, that needs to be a t-shirt. Yeah, zombie sex frog. <laughs> like its little parts are like, you know, uh, stapled back together or... Yes. Like, <laughs> Paper clips. Like, like Frankentoad. <laughs> yeah, Frankentoad, the sex zombie. <laughs> I have something to talk about later on in, in relation to that, but continue. 
So, so around like 14, he's drunk. He has no friends. And then around like high school, so like 15, 16 is when um, he starts his fascination with the jogger. And also is when he started doing these pranks and becoming the class clown. Um, and this is where the Dahmer, what was it? The Dahmer fan club started. Um, so it was Durf and um, a few of their friends. They called themselves honors. Uh, what was it? Um, they were all in like, uh, advanced classes and they're all nerds and they all liked art. Um, like Durf was into, uh, the art and was part of the newspaper, I think in high school. So that's that those were his friends were like the art kids, nerdy kids. Um, so they started the Dahmer fan club. Um, and they had different characters um, and Dahmer was, you know, the, these like main focus of their fan club, of course. So Durf would like draw Dahmer into all these different things. Like he drew, he was drawing stuff for art class and for the newspaper, but he would always include like Dahmer in the background or like, like in the movie, it's pretty much accurate about that. Like with, uh, uh, the scene where he's in the high school photos. So I don't think it was Durf that put him in the photos, but that really did happen. Um, right. But whenever the whenever the um, yearbooks came out, all of his faces were like blacked out. And there was an interview with a woman who went to school with him. Uh, and she said at first, like, it was like the most hilarious thing ever. But now looking back in all the photos, like, it's just this black figure in all of them. And it's really creepy now. Because, like, he got into several clubs that he wasn't a part of. Yeah. yeah. Was in all the photos. But they blacked out his face in all of them, bef- like, whenever they printed them. So, um, he would, like, act out and run down the hallway um, and like contort his body really weird and start screaming and running and people would laugh. And then he, like he would just walk back to class, like nothing happened. And um, she said, why do you do this? Like, it's really annoying. Why would you ever do this? And he said, I just like to shake people up. Um, and he would also like, when he got that girl to lay on the floor and he did the chalk around her, he would do that a lot to people. Yeah. He would get people to lay down and just like make outlines of them around the school. It's so creepy. (laughs) But yeah, like, you know, he wasn't going to become a serial killer. No. Yeah. It's kind of funny. (laughs) Hindsight is 2020 though. You know? Yes. Yes. But, um, so that whole part of the movie is like completely accurate about the things he did, like acting out in class, drinking, um, and that fascination with the jogger. He um, would watch him because he had a routine and Jeff had like learned his routine and would like 
hide in the woods and just watch him. And one day he went out in the woods and found a giant heavy log and was waiting for him in the bushes. But that day the jogger didn't run. And if he would have, he probably would have done his first kill at the age of 17. Because he was planning on killing him then. Yeah. But he did not run that day. Um... So uh, he... I bet looking back on it, that guy is probably like, whoa. Yeah. I would be terrified to go running in public ever again. I like, don't think I ever would. Yeah. <laughs> Just go to the like, gym. <laughs> like, oh my God, this like psychotic, creepy teenage boy has been stalking me for months. What? <laughs> yeah, in the woods and masturbated about you a lot. Like a lot. That that would be deeply, deeply, deeply disturbing. Yeah. It is deeply, deeply disturbing. <laughs> yeah. I I wonder if that jogger like was alive and like realized that he was the jogger. I don't know. Cause they make it seem like the doctor. It may have been that doctor. I don't know. I couldn't it they only mentioned him as a jogger. Yeah. I'm anonymous. So I feel like, like maybe they Morphed two people into one in the movie. Yeah, I think they did because it was like the fascination and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wonder if that guy like knows he was that jogger. I don't know. Ugh. Yeah, it's super creepy. Yeah. So, so yeah. he would he was just like a weird guy, and if he wouldn't like, I don't know if. He was just so bizarre, and I think that's the only reason why people like left and everything. Like, it's kind like- of it's like one part nervous laughter, like what's this guy doing? Then also just like, well, it's fun to laugh at someone that you feel is worse off than you, and somehow like that's the you know that's like that teen herd insecurity mentality yeah yeah but like around his senior year is when his parents really really amped up the fight of their divorce um and pretty much like just ignored Dahmer and forgot about him and they yeah. really did move out. Like his dad moved out when he was 16 or 17. And then when the divorce was going on, his mom took his brother and like literally just left and didn't tell him. Yeah. Moved to Wisconsin. A yes. different fucking state. And was just like, I'm out. Didn't yeah. bother to let him know. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. So <laughs> he, he was in this house with no furniture no running water, no lights, and just living there. He was broke. I mean, he was in fucking high school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I... he he lived there alone. It's just crazy to think about. Like, how would you? I don't know how you wouldn't like reach out. Like, hey, you guys are still technically responsible for me. Yeah. At least until I turn 18. Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, Who's making weird. the house payments? Yeah, right? But I, I have questions. <laughs> yeah, no, and like, 
because Lionel, uh, the dad, he lived there until like 1983. But I guess around that time, that's when um, like Jeff had tried to join the army. Or... Well, he did join the army. He did join the army. It was in Germany. So I guess his dad moved back when he when he left. I guess so, yeah. Weird. Yeah. So weird. Yeah, because um, he couldn't have been there when he killed that guy. No, his father was still in the apartment at that time. Yeah. Because, like, I was reading on um, Durf's blog that yeah, Lionel bought out Joyce's share in the house. Yeah. Um, in 1978, that was when their divorce was finalized. But he lived there until 1983 with his second wife, and he got custody of the son. Um, but oh, rightly so. So, so there was like a period of this time where he was just in the home alone, and that's when he committed his first murder with the kid hitchhiking, the Stephen Hicks. And that's about where the movie left off. Yeah, yeah, and he brought him back. I've heard different stories that they had sex and then he killed him. Um, not sure, but he did. Uh, he gave him some beer. They were drinking, and then whenever Stephen Hicks tried to leave, that's when he hit him in the back of the head with a barbell. And then killed him and buried his body on the property. Right. So that that was his first kill. And then after that, he was dormant. He went and joined the army. Yes. So we are going to do our normal end little conversation where we just catch up with each other. And we will continue Jeff's story um, on the 21st with... Dahmer, which the person playing Dahmer this time will be Jeremy Renner, none none other than Hawkeye himself. He wasn't a uh, Disney star, was he? No, <laughs> no, that's not. If not anything, if anything, he went the opposite direction. He played Dahmer first, and then being in a Marvel. In the Marvel verse, he is technically now a Disney star. Yeah, now he's now he's a D- Disney star. That's right. Yeah, he's in the backwards way. Wow, That's... he's fifty. Yeah, he's old. Yes, he's been around for a long time. Yeah, I didn't realize he was fifty. Well, I mean, if you think about it, Dahmer came out in two thousand two. Shit, it was that long ago. Yeah. Wow. Wow, I feel old. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. that. That was only, like, 19 years ago. No biggie. Oh, God. <laughs> Doesn't that make you feel ancient? Yeah, when you put it that way, Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. Like, for instance, this September is the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. What? Uh, where has the time gone? I missed that day of school. I was sick with the flu. Oh, that's bummer, dude. Yeah. Sat home with a fever watching it on TV. I mean, to be fair... I had fever dreams of 9-11. I bet you did. <laughs> to be fair, though, you didn't exactly miss much. <laughs> Most, I mean... <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, like, 
a lot of people got sent home or their parents came to pick them up. Like, the school day was pretty much null and void. It's not like you missed class, really, is what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I just remember everybody was like, man, you missed a homeroom. We watched it all. Like, they didn't switch classes, so everybody just stayed in there and watched it until their parents came and picked them up. But, yeah. Uh, we didn't find out until third period when I was in history class. Oh. I think. And my history teacher basically just, like, shut and locked the door and was like, they asked us, like, not to show this just so we don't upset people, but... I'm just going to show this because this is literally history happening right now. Yeah, that's... I don't know what happened in the class, but I know that it was like homeroom because we had watched the news sometimes. Um, it like was just, cha- Like Channel One? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had like watched the news and get caught up on current events and stuff. And that was like homeroom for the first hour, 15 minutes or whatever. And that's when it happened. But I was asleep at home with a fever. Oh, no. So, Morgan, um, while you've been away from us, uh, I know you've been super busy, but have you have you watched anything good or, or done anything fun? Yeah. Um, I've been watching In the Dark. I don't know if I told you about this last time. I uh, think. You told me. I don't know if you told the audience. Yeah, I like the. I like it. I'm waiting on the next season, but it's about um, this twenty-something-year-old. She's a a blind woman who is trying to solve the murder of her friend who um, she met in an alley after he saved her life when she was mugged. So he comes up missing, and she's trying to solve the murder, and she's blind. And she's a raging alcoholic, and a um, she possibly has a lot of STDs because she has a lot of sex with a lot of random people, and she just buys like Plan B. I'm like, dude, go to the house apartment, get a checkup. You're probably spreading a lot of shit. Like, you probably have gonococcus because she's definitely not wearing protection because she says that. I'm like, Ooh. ooh, yeah, I know. That's all I'm like. You can. Herpes is pretty serious. Yeah, you, you can get that checked out. <laughs> you can go play the field and have sex with who you want. Just wear protection and keep it safe and go get your checkup and get your partner checked up. And then, yeah, you, you do you. Yeah, that's important. Just keep it safe. Yeah. Absolutely. Protect but yeah, yeah, I've just been watching that. Um,. And I started listening to another podcast. Um, I don't know if I can advertise another podcast here. <laughs> it's just a recommendation. Yeah, it's um, uh, Your Own Backyard. Oh, I know that podcast. Yeah, I've been listening to that. Actually, my uh, the doctor, the surgeon who's going to do um, my hand surgery for carpal tunnel actually recommended me this because he asked me what my hobbies were and I was like I do a podcast (laughs) (laughs) and then we started talking about murder podcasts so if you're listening hey (laughs) cool cool okay yeah uh, it's pretty good I like it okay yeah Uh, what have you been up to oh um okay so vaccinated bitch (laughs) yeah I got fully vaccinated Um, what what 
yesterday. Pfizer or Moderna? Uh, Moderna. Oh, you're a Moderna bitch. Yeah, <laughs> Moderna representing. Um, my arm feels like lead, and I have chills in the sweats, but I'm fine otherwise. Nice. Yeah. I think I yours have... was less bad than mine. It sounds like it. I never really felt sick or anything. I just got, you know, chills and a fever. And I'm sweating my ass off, and my arm feels like lead. Oh. Woo! It's but a really, it's a really body... sexy look. <laughs> it's a sexy look. <laughs> it's a super sexy look, yes. <laughs> um, uh, well, if you put your arm down and walk with a limp, then you'll be doing a Dahmer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I'm no. sorry. <laughs> no. No, no. Not a sexy look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, so I rewatched two seasons of a show and actually fina- finally finished the last two seasons because uh, I never did all these years. So I just finished um, doing a rewatch slash first watch of Wilfred. Oh, I haven't finished that either. It's worth finishing. Uh, Mark might tell you otherwise, but I thought it was wor- I thought it was worth finishing. Um, I never watched all of that. I fucking love Elijah Wood. He's a big old horror nerd like me. Uh, he and his uh, producer partner actually have their own um, production company that they just make horror movies with called Spectre Vision. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I fucking love Elijah Wood and all his, like interesting film choices like he's been in quite a few like suspense horror films over the past i don't know last 10 years yeah and and i just i i I fucking love him i love him (laughs) he's he's so cute i just want to eat him up (laughs) i'm gonna eat you up but also oh man wilford kind of a really depressing show because if you think about it the whole show is one man's battle with mental illness yeah <laughs> That's what the whole show is and there's a talking dog or is there yeah is it is there even a dog there's no a there's dog. a dog <laughs> there's a dog because how else would jenna make sense his neighbor who owns the dog yeah yeah i just uh, don't understand how they go out and like drink and stuff did that happen um, dude, you just gotta do a whole rewatch of the show. And, yeah, like, I haven't watched it right. in so long. Yeah, do a rewatch of the first couple of seasons and then, you know, finish it all the way through. There's f- only four seasons. It's pretty easy to crank out. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I'm not gonna ruin anything for people who haven't watched Wilfred, but there were some moments that I was genuinely upset about. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it's pretty fucking wild, so... Yeah, it's it's like it's funny and it's sad. It's both. Yeah, and some things just made me fucking pissed off. (laughs) So yeah, it's fun. It's worth a go for sure. Um, what else have I done? Oh, I know what I was gonna bring up that I mentioned earlier that I was going to bring up. Yesterday, I watched Frankenhooker on (laughs) Shutter. 
What is Frankenhooker? I'm Googling this. Oh my god, it's terrible. It's one of the worst movies I've ever watched. 1990. I think I liked Troll 2 better than this. That's how bad it is, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? I'm reading uh, the IMDb. It says, a medical student sets out to recreate his decapitated fiance by building her a new body made of Manhattan street prostitutes. (laughs) That is exactly what he does. It's it's so bad. Um, so he. So first off, you see him like talking to himself about how he's gonna do all this, and he's like arguing with. Hey guys, we're back. He had slight technical difficulties. <laughs> Damn you, internet! That weak sauce internet of Morgan. That weak sauce, fucking weak. <laughs> anyway, um, so Morgan, I was talking about Frankenhooker. Oh, that's it. That's it. That's what we we're talking about. So, the boyfriend's doctor dude, uh, med student, he goes, like I was saying, um, he goes to look for prostitutes, and he essentially is allowed to pick from this one pimp's prostitutes. He, like, gets granted 30 minutes to, like, measure them and find the perfect woman because he's going to use their body parts. <laughs> yeah, it's a half-baked plan. Um, but he, like, kind of, like, sympathizes with them or something and doesn't want to hurt them. But they get in his medical bag, which... His original plan was to make them OD on meth. So he he has this batch of meth in his bag that's, like, lethal, right? And so they start comically smoking insane amounts of meth. These, like, giant rocks that make no sense to smoke. (laughs) (laughs) And then they start, like making out with each other and stuff and it's way past 30 minutes so the pimps also like downstairs like what what funny business is going on (laughs) and he's just this this big like muscle thug you know um and so after they get like too heated or they've been on the meth for too long they like spontaneously combust what (laughs) yes but Don't way- do drugs, kids. <laughs> <laughs> but the way that they spontaneously combust is the best part. Because it looks like they made, um, like, uh, paper mache versions of the models and then put fireworks and exploded the fireworks inside of them. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, you not. That, that is the level of special effects in this film. <laughs> I have to see this. It's on Shutter. It's it's so bad. It's sort of good. Make a drinking game of it. <laughs> Every time someone smokes meth, <laughs> or spontaneously explodes, or the Franken Hooker herself makes a really weird face. <laughs> You'll see what I mean. Um, but yeah, it's. It was kind of fun. I mean, I I felt stupider for watching it, but it was also sort of fun. (laughs) It's hard to explain. I have a love-hate relationship with it. 
I was looking through some pictures, and there's one where he's trying to feed wine uh, to just a head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. Um, another movie that I watched. So it had its world premiere on Joe Bob Briggs' is The Last Drive-In last week. But it's called Fried Berry. Fried Berry. Yeah. So it's a South African horror film. And it's basically just one bad drug trip, sort of. So, so Barry's like this, like burnout, you know, junkie, and he gets abducted by aliens, and then um, it's basically just like an alien within his body, but he's sort of still in there, and it's just watch. It's just the alien experiencing human life really fucked up on drugs <laughs> it's interesting and the dude who plays fried berries fucking weird looking so that adds to it i recommend um not being sober for this one guys <laughs> it's better that way <laughs> uh, fried yeah. gary fried berry oh berry yeah uh yeah it was pretty interesting, but kind of fun. I had a fun time with it. Also, like, South African accents are something else. They're, like, kind of Australian-sounding, but kind of not. Yeah. Like the uh, D-Antwort. <laughs> Speaking of, did I ever mention on the show that I cried my eyes out when I saw Chappie? <laughs> I did. Now, Mark, all he has to do now is look at me and go, Chappy good? And, th- <laughs> and, I get, and I get teary-eyed. I, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Chappy good? Chappy good? That's like our, our little inside thing now. Anytime, anytime something sad, he looks at me and goes, Chappy good? I go, Chappy good! <laughs> Ninja! <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, Diane Edward, they're they're like from another planet, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was but sad I... that they canceled their concert that I was supposed to go to. I bought tickets and they were like, "Yeah, we'll refund you," and only got a portion of it back. And oh, oh so mad. Was that for last year? No, it was uh like right after my mom died, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna yeah. go out and have a good time and watch Diane Edward. Like it was probably like. Two weeks after my mom died. And I was like, I need to get out. And then they fucking canceled. I cried so hard. That's terrible. I know. Then they never came back. They never came back to Charlotte. Damn them. Mm -hmm. I wrote Uh, them a really mean message on Facebook. And I've never done that in my life. But it was, like, very cathartic. They probably just didn't even read it. I doubt it. And, (laughs) you know, they clearly have such a good um, opinion of Americans. Yeah. I was like, bleh, 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 bleh. <laughs> my mom died. <laughs> oh, <I'm working>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. They probably were just like apartheid. They were probably like, oh. <laughs> they are probably like, what the fuck she on my? <laughs> and they probably just never fucking saw it. That's what really yeah. happened. I think they just like got there. People that run their social media just to delete it. 
They probably shouldn't read it. I don't even know what I said anymore. It was like a fucking um, three-page paper. Oh, my God, Morgan. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, on that note, I'm going to go take a shower and get off my (laughs) my, uh, COVID vaccine sweats. I'm fucking gross now. Uh, And uh, I don't know. Morgan's gonna go tackle the ghost that knocked over her uh, internet, her, her router. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what happened. We even went in the attic and looked. It was like a loud bang throughout our whole house. I thought it was RC trying to get his sweet potatoes. But, Morgan, you but... went into the attic. That's horror movie 101. <laughs> Is this Morgan really talking? <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next time. Next time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll be back with 2002's Dahmer and the killing years of Jeffrey Dahmer on the 21st. Woo. See All you right. then. Or I mean, you hear us then. Yeah. You crazy, <laughs> crazy Listeners. cats. Yeah. <laughs> and dogs or, or cats or, or budgies. Sure, but you know, cat-like slang, like, you're cool. Oh, I was saying dog, like D-A-W-G. See, we were both just talking about people. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.